Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune in to Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Nobody really needs or wants home security until it's too late. You've heard the statistics about how many burglaries there are per day. You see the news. You know there are people out there that do bad things. The best way to help protect your home and your property is with an ADT monitored system from Protect Your Home, an ADT authorized premier provider. Call right now to get a free wireless home security system valued at $850. An ADT monitored system can help protect your home from fires, theft, floods, and call for emergency help. Call now to find out more about our $850 free wireless home security system and start enjoying the peace of mind of security today. Call 800-561-2351. This is a national health alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket costs. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a free meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pedometer as our special gift to you. We have knee, back, and other braces available, as well as pharmacy services. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and you have insurance, we can help. 888-303-9136 That's 888-303-9136 Welcome, welcome everyone to Blog Talk USA. This is Marvelous Monday. We are, uh, tonight is the Texas Democratic Convention, so Dr. McKellar will be on with us shortly. But we do have Mr. Arthur Fleming. Welcome, Mr. Fleming. How you doing, Ariana? How's it going? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you. How about yourself? Well, under the circumstances. Right, you know. right. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I know that tonight we do have at 8 p.m. Congressional candidate, Miss Miss or Mr., I'm not sure, Adrian Bell. If that is uh-huh. you on the line, Congressional candidate Bell, please press 1, and I will open up your line. Oh, perfect. Okay, welcome, candidate Bell. Thank you so much. And it is Miss Adrian Bell. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> glad you're here. And Thank Dr. McKellar will be on uh, in about a half hour, but she did want us to go ahead and let you have, uh, have this time to tell us about your candidacy, tell us about who you are, um, what you're running for, and give us, give us all your information, how people can find you, all that good stuff. 
Okay, very good. Excuse me. Well, my name is uh, Adrian Bell, and I am the Democratic nominee for U.S. Congress in Texas District 14. And District 14 is Southern Missouri County, Jefferson County, and Galveston County that goes along the Gulf Coast area of Texas. And we won our March primary uh, with over 60% of the vote, despite having four opponents. Uh, because we have a message that is resonating of holding this president accountable, uh, health care, education, uh, affordable housing. And so I am running because we need representatives that are actually representing the people, not special interests, not big money, and not even uh, for themselves, but to bring the voice of the people to Congress. I am currently a, a school teacher, public school teacher. And uh, education is a passion uh, because it brings equity to a lot of situations. And we need to ensure that we increase uh, the education of our youth, especially with the pandemic. And we had to move to distance learning. Uh, there is a furthering of gaps uh, because a lot of our students you know, didn't have Internet, didn't have devices. And so we need to uh, ensure that all of our students have access to internet, access to devices, so that we don't continue that digital divide. Uh, my website is voteforbell.com. That's V-O-T-E-F-O-R-B-E-L-L.com. We are actively recruiting volunteers to help us on our campaign as we continue getting the vote out uh, to win in November. So as a grassroots organizer, it's kind of hard right now not to be able to knock on doors and be out in the neighborhoods talking to people. So we just had to become creative and reach more of our uh, voters online. So voteforbell.com and uh, look us up. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Mr. Arthur, do you have any questions for candidate Bell? Yeah, but I have several. We'll just start off with this one. Uh, uh, you know, given what's going on, you know, the, the backdrop of what's going on in America, you know, before all this started, we were we, we are we were and hopefully we still are focused on uh, uh access to capital. Uh as you well know, as we reorganize this economy, if it starts back up, if if our community is in position to uh uh assist our own recovery, then you know, mm-hmm. it's gonna be bad it's gonna be bad for us. So uh, what do you have uh, as far as a plan or a program to deal with that? And then just kind of tell us, the, you know, what you think about what's going on currently. Okay. Uh, did you were you mentioning economic recovery? I want to make sure I, I heard that correctly. As we come out of yeah. COVID. Yeah. Okay. You know, the economy is being reorganized, as you well know. It's been, it's, it's, it, they're going to reorganize it. The first, the first right. tranche of trees of dollars went out to companies that didn't even pay taxes. So they, they gave all these companies trillions of dollars mm-hmm. and, you know, setting us up a failure. So I'm saying, do you have a, what's your plan to deal with that? And then, uh, you know, in the context of what's going on in the street right now. Okay. Well, one thing that we recognize, especially if we speak to the African-American community, we were already in trouble before COVID-19 occurred. We were already on the bottom line of not uh, having jobs that paid uh, minimum wages. Uh, black women are at high risk for maternal mortality. 
we don't have the health care, especially in Texas, as being the most uninsured state in the nation. We still had uh, we still have mass incarceration that puts away a lot of black and brown men, and the largest population that's growing in prison are African American women. Uh, our list goes on and on of what was already going on. What COVID did not only expose what was going on, but moved the needle even backwards for us when we start seeing data that suggests that African Americans, even though we're a smaller percentage of the of the population, are dying from COVID at a higher percentage. And so the things that we want to see get done are really things that needed to be done, such as raising the uh, minimum wage to $15, having affordable housing. We're in the Gulf Coast area of Texas that gets really hard hit by hurricanes. And we have families and companies that have not recovered from Hurricane Harvey. And so here you have COVID hit, Hurricane Harvey, you know, you're still waiting on FEMA to uh, pay uh, money. And then now we're back into another hurricane season. And so our needs have not changed as much. They've just become uh, more magnified because now we have more people unemployed. We have more people without health care insurance. We have more people whose livelihoods have already been exacerbated because of the communities we live in. They don't have clean air. They don't have clean water. And now uh, we're even getting less. And when you talk about the small bit, well, the large businesses that did get the money, well, what about the small businesses that didn't, that didn't, that don't have relationships with banks, that don't have those business accounts, that don't know about uh, monies that were available to them? I am real supportive of small business. I want to make sure that the, the cities that are in our area, such as Galveston, uh, Beaumont, Port Arthur, Texas City, Lamarck, Lake Jackson, Freeport, areas that need revitalization in their cities, that we revitalize through small businesses, that we build up our communities by making our small businesses strong. And that's something that I, that I am committed to working on and also uh, removing um, homelessness or reducing the homeless population in Galveston or on Galveston Island, there's a high percentage of um, homeless people that live on the island that you don't see. Well, we've got resources to help them. We have the agencies, but they need the funding. So that's a part of what I want to bring to the district when I'm elected uh, to Congress is to have programs that already exist but bring that money out into the neighborhoods, and people are aware of them, and they can be uh, used for our, you know, in our districts. And so uh, what's going on in America with the civil unrest? I grew up remembering the, the late 60s and uh, what was going on and, and, and the feeling of, of a country, uh, and, you know, a little bit confused. And I think right now when I see I, I listened to a friend of mine who was in Minnesota uh, for the past couple of days, and he had a live feed going of their peaceful protest in Minnesota. And they ended up getting boxed in by the police. Mm-hmm. They were tear gassed. And he was, he was, you know, he was doing this live on Facebook. They were tear gassed. They were, they were getting on their knees with their hands up saying, you know, 
don't shoot, hands up, don't shoot. That is heartbreaking to see young people doing that because they're seeking to exercise their their freedom of speech to speak out against uh, George, uh, Mr. Floyd being killed. And so they, they tear gassed them, they uh, shot them with rubber bullets, and they arrested them. And we have to go like, well, well why? Why did they do that? Uh, because, you know, they want to uh, control and not allow them to be able to speak. And these are our young people that I have been seeing that's out on the street doing these peaceful uh, protests. Um, so it's, it's an amazement of what's going on in our country. It's an amazement of what is not being done. Uh, our leadership, our lack of leadership, of not speaking up or not standing up for the people. And it's, we're in a position of like, okay, what's going to happen next? You know, what, what kind of moves going to be made? Uh, President Trump sounds like he is being the law and order um, president like Richard Nixon, a position that he took. And I, I've you know, seen this comparison before uh, after the riots. And so it's, I don't know, it just kind of makes you shake your head of what's going on and what are we going to do? How are we going to go forward? How are we going to move out this hate and, and progress as a nation? Oh, yeah, that was a great answer. Great answer. I appreciate it. Okay. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on. Is there any, any other information you want to give us? Um, well, uh, well, Facebook I, page I, or, or anything? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, let me give you my social media. You can follow me on Twitter at A-D-R-B-E-L-L. And our Facebook page is A-D-R-B-E-L-L-T-X. And that's Facebook and also uh, Instagram. And it is, you know, in Texas, we have the numbers in Texas. But what we don't have is the, um, it's, it's motivating people to get out and vote. And that's what we want to do is motivate them to get out and vote and to exercise their civic responsibility to vote. I would love to see a national vote by mail policy. Uh, we're not going to, doesn't look like anything we're going to get, but uh, when we see other states are able to vote by mail, and, and I think it's a shame that people have to uh, decide between their health and decide between voting and then um but, you know, in our state where they don't want you to vote by mail, I, I think that's a shame that people hey, have to make Bell, that decision. Ms. Bell. Mm-hmm. Ms. Bell, let me get some of information on that. I'm, I'm with NAACP okay. uh, here in Dallas and say why. Uh, we just want a, we just want a case to the Supreme Court here in Texas where people mm-hmm. will be able to vote via uh, uh, mail if they mm-hmm. if, if they if they if they for COVID or whatever. So uh, okay. so we did win that fight. Surprisingly, we won it kind of early. I thought it was going to go all the way to the screen, to the big screen for mm-hmm. something. But, 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 but no, mm-hmm. uh, I spoke with Gary Blesko this past weekend. We had a meeting, uh, and uh, and so he passed the information on to us then. So, uh, uh, and I'm going to get both chair right here in Dallas. So, you know, uh, mail-in voting, you will, be, you will be able to do that. Okay. Excellent. And, you know, one thing Great. uh we have local races that have been moved to, you know, November. And so we're going to have very interesting ballots in our area. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, look here. Look here. As a fellow educator, myself, mm-hmm. uh, the Dallas chapter, we were able to do resolutions through the state, and the whole process we got through, we got the African Studies program approved, uh, uh, and and piloted this past year in DISD. It's been approved statewide now here in Texas. Uh, 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 hey, what's her name? I think out of Ohio, can't think that. Anyway, she just sponsored a a uh, African American Studies bill uh, in the Congress. Uh, going forward, uh, and, and we're um, uh, with Ethnic Studies uh, State Group, and so we're basically getting curriculums and stuff like that together for people to make creative. So basically, what I want to say is like it's what you give sure position on education as far as like uh, going forward, you know, like COVID has shown us we have like, we have like digital education and so forth and so on. How do you see education looking uh, for people of color, well, African-American people, uh, five years from now? I mean, what do you, what do you think it's going to look like? Uh, or, or what are you going to push for it to look like? One thing I do know is that education has changed and COVID has changed education. We struggle with having um, technology in our classrooms. We struggle with moving away from the concept that the teacher stands and teaches and the students just received. Instead of allowing our students, you know, I teach fourth grade. Well, my students, they, they, came, they, they came equipped with tablets. I mean, they were born into to that environment. And to uh, try to have education to where they their their brains and things that I've read their brains are just wired differently because of the use of gaming. But we we mm-hmm. take that and we we put it aside and say okay between eight and three o'clock your brain is sit down be quiet and just listen and they don't they don't function well like that. And so no, they don't learn we, that. They don't. They're very. They're very uh, distracted. You know, I, I have you know the classes where you have the. Uh, I'm, I don't teach Vanguard classes, and mm-hmm. my students have ADHD. You know, five hundred four. You know, Fed uh, special education, right. and yeah. I see education. I want to. Okay, I, I, I'm I'm technology driven. I was on the cusp. Well, I mean, I've been there when computers pretty much seemed like when computers started when we had the huge mainframes, and now we've gotten down to a phone. And I was in the telecommunications industry, and I want to see education evolve in the techn- technological arena. And I, I think COVID has done that. Uh, in our school district, the uh, the interim superintendent is now asking for every student to be equipped with a device. And before COVID, that was unheard of. Well, when you look at the digital divide, education plays a big part in that. And as um, as a person in Congress, I want to see that happen. I want to see our children not be left behind. I want our children to learn how to code and be able to develop apps and be on the business end of that and not just receiving, not just playing games, but building the games. I asked some of my students, what do they want to become? They want to be a YouTuber. Well, a few years ago, that wasn't a career aspiration. But if they want to become a YouTuber, how do they become a YouTuber? What are the the skills or the tools necessary to help them advance to that? And so some of the, the, the career choices that our students need, we need to be teaching them that 
in school. Like we used to teach woodshop. We used to teach home ec and uh, cosmetology, things that they could learn in the school environment that were life skills and uh, career skills for them. Five years from now, I have no idea what education is going to look like. I know what I don't want it to look like. I don't want our children, um, the African-American children, being further back. I don't want our children, that's any of our children, not progressing and being on par with other nations because we're in a global environment. And the, the I don't want us with high-stakes uh, assessment tests. That, I, I, I wish, just go away and don't come back. We can assess our students. But use assessment to develop them, not use assessment to penalize teachers or penalize our students or penalize the schools because teachers are in a lot of stress for tests and star testing. And we're not teaching the whole school. We're just teaching so that we can pass a star test. This is my opinion. Uh, I think that right now, because again, that test is is based it's, it's it's classes in the first place. It puts you in a mm-hmm. puts you in a in a spot in a cage mm-hmm. where you can't get out. Uh, you know, and, and I think that we need to take this time with COVID to push for the end of those tests. They're right. not needed. They don't help no. you do nothing. You know what I mean? They, they, it, they it, don't. It, not it, at it's all. just another. It, it's just another appendage to the penitentiary industrial complex. That's all it is. And, and, and the so, test makers make a lot of money. And they make a lot of money, and, that, and, and there's no proven added value. None. None. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't put you anywhere. So basically, I'm just saying, so it's, it, it's being used, once again, it's a, it's a test to cast people in a certain economic strata. That's all it is. It could be because there's a lot of kids, especially because I work there, those kids didn't have no business special ed, you know, and, and they had like they learned differently. Right. But then once they right. learned, once their parents figured out they could get a check, then there was a disincentive for the parents to even care whether they learned or not. You know, it's a lot of uh, uh, you know shenanigans, trickery going on up in that whole system. So we need, uh, you know, so so we we'll, we'll just tell me this uh, as activists on the ground, we fought 1882 and, and beat it back here. Here at Dallas, uh, what do you think we need to do to change some of that? Well, you know, from activists all the way up to Congress, where you trying to go, where you going to wind up at? So, what can we do from, to change from that? Being a, to to change the activism? I'm trying to understand. No, to change the system. No, no, to change the system where our kids can quit being uh, miseducated and, oh. and and cast into these spots for the rest of their life. You know, well, how do we have this cash system? One thing is parental involvement, because you mentioned of getting a check and helping them to understand that uh, special ed is needed, but it's not necessary for some of our students, especially when you just, you know, being honest with yourself of getting a check. Well, if, but if we had... Uh, being in a parent's position who needs uh, a better job, needs to have better resources your, to take care of their family, we need to take care of them too. What's your position on guaranteed income? I think we need to work on it. 
I, I'm, I started working when I was 13, and I've been working all my life. And so mm-hmm. nothing, we, we came up, but I came up with affirmative action, ELC. And that did help uh, uh, get different jobs, uh, move into right. slots that even though we were qualified for, we were passed over because of being African-American. And I want, I want people to be able to have jobs build infrastructure, um, jobs that build infrastructure and put it that way, to improve our infrastructure and but set it up in, in such a way that we are not relying on a check, and we're not we're not being caught to where I'm just I won't do anything because I just want a check, and that's changing a, a that's a mind a mind shift. And I, I hear so much of people that are for it, people that are against it because they don't think that you know we're already doing enough, and and we don't want to just give anything to uh to people and when when I talk about policies I come from the position of what I've heard from the people that I talk to that's in the district mm-hmm. I, and I, I talk to a lot of seniors and it's you know it's like we work for everything and we part don't want your job part of your job is going to be to educate people on yeah And that is a part of our job, and uh, and that's a part, I think, a part of, of having the teacher or the education background. It is teaching. It is expanding knowledge for people to understand. Uh, but it takes being out with the people and having avenues to where they have access as well. A lot of our people, uh, we talk about voters of not voting. It's not shaming people into into voting. You know, it's something wrong because you don't vote. But it's educating them of why they need to vote. I have people, you know, if I, you know, when I tell them that I'm running for U.S. Congress, they really don't know what that means. They don't know, uh, such as uh, it, with, with a hurricane, what I would do as um, Congresswoman is to be proactive about FEMA, have host. Um, have community boards to where I know who the community leaders are in the in the community. They know who I am, and we have open avenues. So when tragedies hit and these hurricanes hit, it's not everyone trying to to call one number, which they did during Harvey. But, you know, they gave one number for everybody in the county to call. Well, everybody's calling one number, but instead of us being proactive and already knowing what's going on, what's the post of the areas, we could have filled needs uh, before. We know hurricanes are going to hit. We already know this. We can already be proactive with um, what's needed because we know what's needed. We, we know how to respond in a hurricane. We just respond after the fact. And we need to be set up before this stuff happens and already know, you know, what to do and help people, educate people of what they can do. And what they need to do, and make sure that resources are available. And, and I got knocked off a while ago. But let me just, say, and I'm not going to ask you to answer questions. I'm just going to tell you what Martin Luther King mm-hmm. said about guaranteed income. You know, he mm-hmm. was addressing the issue of he was addressing the issue of them talking about putting yourself up by your bootstrap. When black folks reached down, we didn't have no dang boots. Yeah. And he was saying, and he was saying a guaranteed income, whatever the amount, 
would put people in a position where they could make other choices than the ones they have. And mm-hmm. it would relieve basic stress out of their life where they could actually focus on moving out of poverty and doing, you know, so forth and so on. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, again, I'm hoping that when you get to Congress that you will advocate. I hope, I hope you do more study on it and I hope you advocate for uh, a guaranteed income. Now, 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 basically, you know, he was talking about, you know, he was talking about, well, you know, he was talking about for all Americans. He wasn't talking about just for black people. So, right. so right. you know, he was talking about for all poor people, period. So, basically, I'm just saying, you know, I'd like you to, if you could, just do a little research on it. And, and uh, you know, when you get back with us, just kind of tell us what you think about it. Okay. Well, and, you know, when you, you look at um, what just happened with the coronavirus bill and the sending of $1,200 to select Americans, since all Americans did not get that, and the controversy with having another stimulus check go out to Americans, when we sent so much money <coughs> or allowed companies to get so much money and they got all of it. They got out to continue making billions. We could have taken money and sent thousands they didn't pay no to taxes. every American. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm not saying I am against a uh guarantee that America I, I think Americans we all still want that American um dream. But how can we get it? And especially in today's environment, when so many people are unemployed, how are we going to get back up when, you know, people are still afraid and COVID is still going on? How are well, we going to make up? First of all, COVID ain't going to last forever, okay? COVID ain't going to last forever, mm-hmm. okay? And what we need to be talking about is what's going to happen after COVID. We need access right. to capital. Bottom line, right. we just need access to capital. Right. We can... We we can do our own recovery. We got the skill, we got the will, we got, we got all that. All we mm-hmm. need is access to capital, you know, and quit. Well, and, and we need to quit being treated like a colonial, uh, 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 occupied uh, people, you know. Like I mean, to treat us like, you know, we're in the, you know, we somewhere else, and they just, you know, roll up on us and whatever. So I'm just saying, we need to be able to effect our own re- economic recovery. We shouldn't be sitting around waiting on white people to hire us and then brag about. The low unemployment rate should it get low? We need right. more than that. I, we need to be right. our own stuff. Right, and we need we need our own businesses, and uh, our communities are stronger when we have our own businesses, and that's any community. And also, uh, with our children having more of a mindset to own a business and not getting a job, that's why I think when it comes to education, we need to be starting that at a younger age, and Black teaching Wall them Street. how to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. 99 mm-hmm. years, Black Wall Street, 99 years got burnt down. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we've had businesses. We've always had businesses. Uh, uh, segregation required we had businesses. It was only when we integrated and we were told that we would be integrated to the regular business, and what we found out was uh, that that was a lie, that, we, that they turned us into a consumer class. And mm-hmm. so now we're fighting, you know, although although we did gain a lot of experience in the corporate world, that's why I say now we have the skill, we have the will, we just need the access, we have talent, we just need access, one where mm-hmm. we don't have uh, some middleman, basically some appointed white guy or some institution standing in the middle of us and uh, building our own. 
And all we need is access, fair access. We're not asking nothing special. As Jane Brown said, I ain't, I don't want nobody to give me nothing. Open right. up the door. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we definitely need that. Even when it's something as uh, uh, discriminating as credit score that stops us from getting, um, or, or you that gets us from getting loans. Mm-hmm. And to be I mean, able to have with, I mean, people good credit. I mean, people people with good credit scores got bad loans. That's what right. happened this last right. time when they stole our money. Uh, you know, in 2008, and then we got ripped off mm-hmm. again. I'm saying that needs to stop. It needs yeah. to stop. You know, we get, uh, yeah. you know, 1999, remember that one? We got ripped off again. We get ripped off, you know, it's like every, what, 10 years or so, they, they, they just take our money. And, and we need to stop that. That's a pattern. Yeah. It's been going on for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I, But I, I like how you said that. We just need access to capital. We can do our own. We, we're very uh, creative people. And we need the ability to to get those SBA loans or to have programs set up to where it's not diluted and just for uh, women. And you know, women come my, in. I keep asking my white friends, will y'all please quit helping me? Will y'all quit helping me? Just stop it. Because whenever y'all help me, this is what I got. Mm-hmm. So so quit helping me and just give me access to capital and let me help myself. Mm-hmm. My, as the mm-hmm. guy said on the commercial, it's my mm-hmm. money and I want it now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a, I know for sure that's the, that's the difference. It's just, and it, it's having, um, that's the equity part. It's just give us a hand up that's, and we can, that's we right. can do it ourselves. We don't want you to, to give it to us. But give us a hand up, and I, I give think me quality later. Give me equity. Yeah, right. Give me equity. Mm-hmm. I, you give me quality mm-hmm. later. Yeah, 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 you give me equity, then I get some equality. Right, right. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay, and you'll have uh, communities that are strengthened, and where people can grow. Mm-hmm. Because we want communities where we feel safe. Our children have good schools. We have you know parks, stores that we can go shop at. We want what everyone else wants. But we don't have the capital, so I, I, I definitely agree with you on that, the access to it. Well, can I jump in and say good evening, everyone? Hello yes. there. Yes, thank you, and hello, my sister. Bye. It's great to hear your voice. Welcome to Marvelous Monday. We're glad that you're on with us tonight. How's the campaign? We didn't beat her up too bad. We beat up on it too badly. Good, good. That's my sister. Take good care of her. (laughs) The campaign is is going, Dr. McKellar. I, uh, you know, it's not the the normal campaigners that we're accustomed to. And you know, my being a community uh, organizer, I like being in the community. I like going knock on doors and talk to people. And yes, and right now you're just like. Okay, I know they're out Cannot do it. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, we've we learned to campaign differently, right? But we always, we always knocked on doors, but, of course, we always text and we always made phone calls, and that still always works, right? Right. So right. we just have right. to regroup, regroup. Well, I'm glad things are moving right along. Uh, I, I don't know if you've been on today with the Texas Democratic Virtual Convention. 
Uh, it's been going quite well today, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll get where we need to be in 2020 because we're in some serious times, right? Yes, we are. Serious times. We actually have a candidate, a future congresswoman. Uh, we actually have one of the Black Lives Matters uh, young lady that's on, Miss Natasha. Uh, I think she just, she just sent me a message that she is on Miss Natasha Ward. Uh, as you know, across this nation, everywhere, and I, I don't know where, I don't want to take away from what you guys were already talking about, but uh, but I know that she wants to go downtown and join the rest. She's with Black Lives Matter. She has young children. And all across this nation, as you know, people are protesting every place, uh, even right mm-hmm. here in my city in Tyler, Texas. In the last couple of nights, we've been down. And then, of course, tomorrow we have a prayer vigilant event uh, candlelight uh, ceremony that we are going to have and host in honor of all of our fallen uh, soldiers uh, that's given their lives uh, for this cause. And But to see what has happened to uh, Mr. George Floyd, uh, it, I found it very difficult to observe that over and over and over because, as you know, I'm a medical person. I took an oath to preserve life, not to take it. And so mm-hmm. to see all of that weight and that pressure on his neck, it just brought us back to I can't breathe again. And, and you know, and it carried me even further back. It carried me back to Rodney King and, and all of these all the way up to Sandra Bland, which, you know, we were front row center with Sandra Bland from that day one. Her mother came uh, to Texas and joined with us as we worked on that one. So I'm going to bring the young lady in if that's okay, and I'd like for her to dialogue with us. And, of course, I know Mr. Alex Johnson is out there as well. And so we're going to bring him in in and let him talk about his campaign before he has to skedaddle because I think he has to leave around about uh, 9 o'clock. And so, Ms. Rihanna, if you'll open Mr. Alex Johnson's line as well and he can dialogue with with Mr. Arthur and yourself and all of the uh, guests that we have on with us tonight. We so appreciate uh, everybody for being on with us. Uh, Ms. Natasha Ward, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, thank you so much for coming on. She, uh, Guys, she sent a message out to me just a little while ago and wanted to know how she can talk. And so we told her we always have an open mic. We have an open microphone here. And so we listen to people and whatever their issues are. So tell us a little bit about you and yourself, uh, Ms. Uh, Ward, and, uh, and your involvement in the Black Lives Matter and uh, what you're doing as far as uh, protesting. And I think you live here in Tyler, correct? Yes, I do. Oh, okay, go right ahead and share with us what you want us to know, and then we'll ask you a few questions. And, and just to introduce, I don't know how much you've heard, but Ms. Adrian Bale is out of Houston, Texas. She is running for United States Congress in her district. And then Mr. Alex Johnson is actually here in East Texas, and he's running for state representative uh, over in deep east Texas, and he lives in uh, around Henderson, Angelina County, Nacogdoches area, and those are the areas that he is covering. So go ahead okay. and share with uh, with them. And then, of course, Mr. Arthur is uh, one of our co-hosts, and then Ms. Rihanna is also one of our, our co-hosts. Mr. Arthur is in Dallas, Texas, and Ms. Rihanna is in Kentucky, and you know where I am, right here in Tyler, Texas. So go right ahead yes. and share with us. Okay, go ahead. Okay, well, um, first off, I just want to say, well, nice meeting everyone through the phone. (laughs) 
you know, my name is Natasha Ward, and I'm a mother. I'm a mother of eight, eight kids. Uh, I have six boys and two beautiful girls. I'm from San Diego, California, um, and I'm Texas. Uh, actually, my dad's side of the family lives here, and I just uprooted, said, hey, I want to go try it, and I love it. I love it since I've been here. So this is home for now. Um, my 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 main thing right now is, like I said, I'm a mother, and, you know, I watch TV. I'm a product of an interracial relationship. I'm black and Mexican. My kids are mixed as well. You know, I have six, like I said, six boys. Three of them are half white. Um, and my my part in this Black Lives Matter is uh, I'm not with any organization or anything. I'm just a mother. I'm all, that's all I am is a mother. And I've seen something that I've been seeing for a while. I, I, I and I'm hurt. And now it's like you know what? I, I got to stand up. I can't just sit there and be quiet. You know, I have kids and I really have boys. I have boys that are going to be men. You know, and I can't, I can't sit back and be silenced anymore. So if there's anything that I need to do to help, because I am going to be contributing to the problem if I just be quiet. So I need to get out there. I need to talk. And I'm very peaceful. I promote love and peace. Why? Because I grew up in a diverse area. You know, San Diego is, is, is there's everybody there. There's Asians. There's, there's Africans from real, from Africa, you know. There, there's Mexicans, there's the Mexicans from right across the border, you know, that, that everyone is there. So I, I didn't grow up segregated. I didn't see none of this, you know, and now I moved to the South. This wasn't the first place in Texas. I actually lived in Mississippi before I came here. So when I saw the Confederate flags out, it was like, what is, what is this? What's going on here, you know? And then right. to come out with our rain, you know, to come out with our rainbow tribe, and that's what me and my kid's father at the time—that's what we called our kids because they range from from white down to dark, you know. That was our rainbow tribe when we come out, and to, to have people look at us back home on the West Coast, it was okay. Here, it, it was different, you know. So now, it's just. I don't know. My eyes have opened up to a whole new world and my kids are getting older and asking questions and mom can't sit back anymore. So I need to help. So then, good. So then let me ask you this then, and and the team may have some questions, even uh, the Congresswoman, uh, because we are hoping that she will be in Washington, D.C., that she can help to solve a lot of our racial issues that, uh, that we're experiencing that we know has always been there. And I can share this with you. I actually was stationed at Balboa. I'm sure that you're familiar with Balboa yes. uh, since you came out of San Diego. And the one thing that I can tell you unequivocally is that in certain areas of the country, they don't care, they meaning uh, those who are racial, don't care that you know that they are. In the South, they pretty much show it. In the North, right. they pretty much hide it. But it's there. And so I say that to people because I have traveled in 35 countries in my career and in every state in the union. And so it's there. So Mm -hmm. my question then to you is what, 
what do you plan to do to make the change? Because you said I can no longer be quiet because we want to listen to your young women. And so we want to listen to uh, our younger generation. So perhaps you can guide us to say, what is it that you want to see happen? And the reason why I'm asking this, well, I know what I, I, let me rephrase that. I know what you want to see happen. How do you plan to help us to make that happen? Because here's what a young lady said to me today, and then I'll let mm-hmm. you speak. She said to me today, uh, said, you guys asked us to pray, and we did. You asked us to vote, and we did, and nothing has changed. And so now we're rioting. Uh, so you talk to us and tell us what you plan to do because you have a beautiful rainbow of children, and I yes. know that you want, the, you want the best for not even just your children, but just children in general. But right now we're talking about black children, or in your case, mixed children. Go ahead. You know what, what I plan on doing, my grandpa told me, you know, they only see you like that because of how they were taught. So this is something that's generational. This is something that has been taught to them to see this. I came, we lived in Desert Hot Springs, so let me, let me make this clear. We, we lived in Desert Hot Springs, and Desert Hot Springs was a lot of, um, what do they call them, skinheads. Very and familiar. My, huh? Very, I'm very familiar. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. So and I, I'm, I'm, they have the swastikas. They have the swastikas on their bodies. No, I mean all the time. Some of them just got out of prison. And so my grandpa, my grandpa stayed there. And every day we would go to the same store, this little store. And he would always, we'd always see this one particular guy, bald head. And he, he, he's so proud because he always showed. Uh, he wore a muscle shirt. And my grandpa would always say, you know, open a door for him, even though. He didn't have to. My grandpa was one of them strong men, but he was he was sicker now, so he was in a wheelchair. But he would always show people kindness. And I asked Papa, I said, Papa, why why do you do that? Even though, look at him. Look, he's wearing this. Why, why would you do that, Papa? And he said, because he was like, he was taught to hate. You don't let them, not everybody, how, how do you say it? Not everybody is alike. You show them something different. Then they'll treat you different. Watch. You kill him with kindness. So one day I think something happened and this guy needed help or something. And my grandpa happened to be right there and my grandpa helped him. And then he said, you know what, man, I see you every day. Every day I see you always open the door for me. He was like, you know, why, why do you do that for me? Why? He said, I'm not your enemy. He was like, I'm not your enemy. I never was, but I'm here. You know, you needed help. I opened the door. And seven, he said, thank you, sir. He told my grandpa, thank you, sir. And I watched that, and I was like, he was nice to my grandpa? Why was he nice, you know? After that, we always seen that man. That man always talked to my grandpa, always said hello, always, you know, shook his hand. Hey, sir, how you doing? You know, Mr. Harris. And from that day on, I always thought, you know what? You kill him with kindness. Even people that don't like me, you know, you kill him with kindness. And I have always done that, always done that. And so what I plan on doing and what I do do now, even here, I don't promote hate. I'm not going to promote hate. Even though I have it, 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 it's pure, it makes me mad to see what's going on. And then the people who can just walk around like, oh, I didn't see it happen. You know, it, it hurts my heart. But you know what? Not everybody's alike. Right. I'm not. Okay. Can I jump in? I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought this out 
because I'm sure that Mr. Arthur, I'm sure that Miss Adrian Bell, I'm sure even Miss Rihanna, uh, Mr. Alex Johnson, we were all taught that very word, that, that very phrase that your grandpapa told you. We were taught that as youngsters growing up, kill them with kindness. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, it's probably pretty biblical. Let me do this. I want to bring Mr. Alex Johnson in, who is a Caucasian gentleman that lives in East Texas, lived in East Texas, keep that in mind, that wants to see the same things happening in our community that you want to see. I'm going to let him talk, and then we're going to go to Ms. Adrian Bell, who is of, of our descent. She is African-American woman, very accomplished African-American woman who lives in Houston, Texas. We're going to listen to her as well. And then we're going to listen to Mr. Arthur, a very accomplished gentleman who lives in Dallas, Texas. And let Mm -hmm. me share with you some of the same things that you're just saying, but still we see the same thing existing, not with them, but with a lot of people. Mr. Alex Johnson, are you there? I think I am. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. We can hear you. Come right in and talk to us. Okay, great. Well, it's great to be here, uh, future Congresswoman Natasha Ward. Nice to make your acquaintance. Um, I'm running against uh, Travis Clardy uh, for District 11 State House seat, but I don't want to talk about me. Certainly not while you know the stuff that's going on is going on. Um, but I did want to mention though that you know yes, I am a white person, um, and. I'm profoundly ashamed of our nation's history in many, many ways. But I did want to share that um, I learned a great deal about the operation of racism from an African-American scholar named Ibram X. Kendi. Um, He has gone on to – he's just founded the Anti-Racist Research and Policy Center, which I'm quite excited about. But but one of his observations, which I just wanted to share here for a moment, uh, is – in just a couple of sentences, he said that hate and ignorance have not driven the history of racist ideas in America. Racist policies have driven the history of racist ideas in America. See, the mm-hmm. racist ideas are required to sell the product. In fact, he goes on to say, racist ideas have always been the public relations arm of the company of racial discriminators and their products, racial disparities. Eradicate the company, and the public relations arm goes down too. Eradicate racial discrimination, then racist ideas will be eradicated too. So um, in 2018, we were issuing major policy statements about the need to adopt anti-racism actively. Our very first campaign event uh, was an anti-racist campaign kickoff. And uh, we have a feature on this app that we're using. We're trying to build our campaign where people can basically – pledge to become an anti-racist because it's it's a lifelong process. You know, they're always Mm -hmm. manufacturing new racist stuff to consume and you can stumble into it without realizing. So you always have to be vigilant. But I do believe that if I do believe that it's possible, maybe not in my lifetime, but I finally, because of the work of Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, I finally see a way forward where we can actually turn a corner and end racism in the United States. And, and it is a central focus of my campaign. So that's why I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted to be in the presence of Natasha Ward, uh, our congressional candidate, and, of course, yourself, Dr. McKellar. 
Um, there's quite a bit more I'd like to talk about, but I don't want to bogart the conversation. I just wanted to add that, though, because I think it's important to remember that, that, that hate isn't the original thing, that there are people who benefit from racist policies, just right. like you know, the racist policy of slavery. The slavers benefited from that, and they needed a whole boatload of bullshit, pardon my French, right. to get people to go along with that. So mm-hmm. I'll stop for a moment. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, Congresswoman to be Ms. Bell. Dialogue with young lady. Well, I was thinking about what uh, the gentleman just mentioned about uh, having an anti-racist campaign, and it's just, you know, as a and I guess maybe being an African American, I had someone and I've had people ask me what is my black agenda, and. That gives me pause because first, when you when you're running to represent, I truly want to represent all the people, uh, because right now the problem we have is we have representatives who only represent a part of the people, and right. when you when you talk about a black agenda, I was born black in America, and it's not that we just need a certain agenda; we need the equity. We need. Uh, as my my friend mentioned, we need access to capital. Uh, but you know, when you start thinking about, we need an anti-racist campaign. Now, I don't know, and this is just a question I have: Is that a campaign that a Caucasian candidate needs? Because the talk of the white talk needs to be had. And one thing that America is not good at is admitting its faults and its problems and its past. And yeah. is this something that, and this is a whole different question, but it's got me thinking, is this something that our Caucasian candidates need to have? Is something that's anti-racist campaign, or is this something me, that all of us need? Let me say this before you answer. Hold on before you answer. Let me say this. Because it's my position, and so I need to answer the question. I think white people need to have an anti-racist campaign. Yeah. Black folks right. have always had one. So, okay, yeah. and that's that's, yeah. that's why I was asking that because I had not heard, you know, I applaud you for talking about that, Eric, uh, because I've not heard people, Alex, I'm sorry, saying that, that this was something they were going after was this type of statement uh, because we, I live the black life in America. I, I've lived the discrimination. I've, I've lived... Uh, being a woman, and I was in a, a, a job environment where I worked with all men and not having the same uh, salary that they had, not getting the same bonuses uh, because I was a woman. And so you got a double penalty uh, going against you. And so um, we live this life. And I think it's incumbent upon us to have the conversations of to try to to understand our situations and why we do need help and why we do need, um, we have the pain of being afraid of, for our sons, for our black sons. And, and I don't have the experience of having, you know, my children are not mixed, but I have grandchildren that are. So we've got a whole new world going here. And how do we balance all of that where we're not afraid of our children dying on the streets because of, of hate and at the, the expense of police officers? Right. 
So one thing I, I, I think we need to do, and that's what we're doing right here, is having a dialogue because we don't. And it can't just be just us talking, just African-Americans talking. It has to be a more collective uh, collective effort. Can I can I say something? Can I step in? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you know, and like I see all the time, African Americans are always speaking. You know, we're always having protests and stuff. And you said, who said it? Somebody's about the anti-racism. Okay, on Saturday, a lady asked. It was a Caucasian lady, and she asked at the protest. She says, as a white person, what 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 can I do to help you guys? What can I do to help you guys? And a man told her, you need to start speaking up. It's time to start speaking up. When you see somebody doing something wrong, you speak up and you say something. And, okay, and now my part as mother, when our kids do something wrong, we tell them, stop. We we acknowledge it right then and there, don't we? We don't acknowledge it later on, three weeks later. Okay, hey, you did wrong today, you know. You're you're wrong today. He he's not going to understand. My child is not going to understand three weeks later because I should have acknowledged it right then and there. So, like I told the lady, you know, I also told, when you see something wrong, if if one of your white friends or or your family members are doing something wrong and you see it and it and it's racial and, it, and it's something like this, tell them to stop. Tell them that's wrong. Let them know that it's wrong. They need to understand that and get that installed in their heads that hey, you know what? What I'm doing is wrong. Maybe and hopefully, just like a kid, maybe Doc, they won't do it again. That, Dr. That's McKellar, are you there? I am. Dr. Mm-hmm. McKellar. Okay, hi. Yeah. You know, I'm calling, oh, hi, uh, hi, as hi. you know, and absolutely, uh, I'm on my way back to uh, Los Angeles from San Diego, and oh, wow. you know, I, I have been telling the people and warning them that this mm-hmm. was going to happen, as you are aware. And when Beverly Hills started boarding up their stores uh, two months ago, mm-hmm. uh, this country knew that the president, from his office, had given the green light to law enforcement to be less professional mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. with black people. And let's take it back to where it used to be. When you rough them up a little bit before you, you, right. you, you take a man, you know. We remember. And that that mentality has been solidified when DAs across this nation and state attorney generals across this nation do not try police officers as they try civilians. Now, if you shoot a cop, most indubitably, there is a death penalty that will ensue, even in states that don't have the death penalty. The federal government can, can institute death penalty. That is all right. works. Right. So I believe that if everyone keeps asking, what do we do with this? You have to change the law. If a police right. officer who has taken an oath lie or commit a crime, he should the penalty for doing so should be more severe than a civilian. Right. The civilian who is a criminal or who breaks the law, he has penalties. But you, we trust to tell the truth and to enforce the law. So 
I, the first thing I say when I found out that it was a third degree uh, manslaughter, first of all, those mm-hmm. of us that have been around courtrooms know that even though it sounds bad, third degree, no, a third degree burn, no. Third degree means that he can get home arrest. Right. The third degree burn can get home arrest. Exactly. 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 So when we get cops that are that are charged with negligent homicide, sounds good. Oh, negligent homicide. That's six months in the county jail and he doesn't even have to appear. So, you know, I, we have to change the laws. There, there is no, no, there is not even a conversation when you have a attorney general like uh, uh, Barr in there, and we know that he is just doing whatever the potent tells him to do. But I would encourage people to get your video phones out, take video. When you go to the voting box, vote out Republican and Democrats that won't mm-hmm. carry the bill that would change the fact that law enforcement unions are controlling the Pentagon that is affecting us. You can't get justice. The, the, the um, grand juries can't even get a bill if the information that is given to them says that, well, if he feels like his life is in danger or if he's in, if he wants to preserve even the life of the person, then he can kill the person. Does that make sense? Well, that's what's on the book. A cop can use deadly force in the preservation of life, even the victim himself, that he's killing. And as long as that's written like that, how can a jury, how can a grand jury find this person guilty? So, you know, uh, th- th- there's no cloak and dagger here. People are tired. This is 30 mm-hmm. years from the 92 uprising. Check history. Don't believe Bishop Guillory. Every 30 years, there is civil unrest because people are tired. But what is most important about that, Dr. McKellar? Mm-hmm. Those children that we had are now adults. And they seen what we got after 50, 60 years of doing what we did. So they say, uh-uh, we ain't taking it. And you can go get Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and anybody else you want to to say calm down. Where were they when they were killing these people? So at right. this point, as I've told all the people who called me to tell me, please come, it's a responsible thing to call, come and calm them. I'm not calling them ahead nothing. I'm not telling them anything. Whatever you told them, before they got out there, that's what you need to reverse. There's no magic wand. Whatever you told them before they got out there and start burning up your shit is what you need to tell them to get them to go back home. Right. Wow. Simple as that. Okay. And if you want, <laughs> and one other thing before I digress, for my white counterparts, and I've met a lot of them, and they've been calling me, and I thank you for reaching out to me. And for those who don't know, they say, well, what do they want? Well, what, what is it that they want? Uh, they're out there burning those. They want the same damn thing that you would want if that was your son, your brother, your right. husband, or one of your children. So that's what they want. 
They want true, authentic justice in America after 453 years. So if you can't understand that, I can understand. Stay at home and watch the news. But for those that are out there, let me say this. They're not shooting rubber bullets anymore. The National Guard, many of them are from states that are, you know, uh, they're not used to this type of situation. And they're afraid too. And they've been told that shoot to kill and to save your life and your battle buddy. And that's what I wanted to get on tonight, Doc, because there's a lot of military men and women out there, and you need to explain to the audience that they won't see color. They'll see see their uniforms, and they're going to protect their battle buddies. And if they're given a directive, they're going to follow those directives. As hurtful, as harmful as it might be for them to do it, they're going to pull the trigger if they have to. And, you know, I, I hope that the TVs I think. and the liquor stores and other stuff that these people are, are, are starting to lose, that is worth your life. You can make your point. I understand. I get it. But some of the unnecessary looting and burning is causing, right. and I know that I've seen police out there, I've seen the shoes of police officers, I've seen the videos on YouTube where they've accosted these people who are setting fires, and some of them are cops. So you should know that if you're going for a peaceful protest and it starts to get sidewise and somebody is saying something that don't look like the victim, if somebody's yelling out something that don't look like the victim, maybe that is the, the agitator, okay? Right. And maybe they right. want to bring it up a, a couple of levels so they'll be justified in shooting you. You know, at this point, I'm saying be careful and follow your spirit what? because God is not going to send you into a bad situation. I digress. That's Very good. Thank well, you for that, Bishop. Let me say this. Let me say this on back to what he said. I think it's – I think the civil rights organizations are going to have to start stepping up to, you know, add voice to this situation and, uh, and and that's what I'm gonna be advocating because I'm gonna be, uh, be talking to him here in a minute. But I'm gonna be say, saying, "Hey, look, uh, you know, okay, we haven't seen enough. We need to step forward and give voice and and and, and some and, and some reason as far as what we want, for what actually we want to see what happened out of this. So that's what I think needs to happen right about now. Right. And hope, okay. And I hope we good. can do that. Hope we can I agree. do that. Yes. Very good. Okay, Absolutely. let's see. Where were we? I think uh, Mr. Alex, I don't we're know trying if he to talk left to the, or not. He, 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 he was trying yeah, to talk to the guy, but but he never got to say nothing. Okay, that was the guy meaning Mr. Johnson? The Congress guy. Yeah, the guy's running for the, 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 well, now he's, he's, Yeah, the he's running guy. for state, state representative. Mr. Johnson, Alex Johnson is running for state representative here in East Texas. And then, of is course, the there? congressional. Mr. Johnson, are I'm you still, still here, yes. Okay. I am any, still here. Okay. Go ahead. Well, yeah, there's a few yeah, things I'd like to say. First off, um, you know, I realize uh, as a white person that it's uh, strange territory. You always have to be very careful um, when it comes to African-American affairs. Um, and I think it's very important for white people to be prepared to take leadership from African-American people. And on our campaign, that's precisely what we've done. Uh, I would invite anybody, in fact, you should go and visit this website, uh, for, uh, for uh, Kendi's website, 
the Anti-Racism uh, Research and Policy Center. You can get to it by antiracismcenter.com. And uh, he is an African-American scholar. He won the National Book Award for a book called Stamped from the Beginning, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America. I've been concerned about racism for over 50 years myself, and I learned more from that book than I learned, you know, in the previous 49 years. So, um, and when I found out that he, you know, at American University in Washington, D.C., has established this center, I got quite excited. Our campaign has reached out to him, and on Thursday I'll be speaking with his outreach director to find out how, how our campaign can help with their mission. And their mission is just two sentences. Let me read it. It says, the mission of the Anti-Racist Research and Policy Center is to convene and team up varied specialists to figure out novel and practical ways to understand, explain, and solve seemingly intractable problems of racial inequity and injustice. Our research and policy work is deliberately anti-racist. We consider racist policies and ideas and not certain racial groups to be the racial problem. We strive to build an anti-racist society of racial equity and justice. So this is the organization from which our campaign is taking its leadership, and, and I, I feel real good about it. I want, to, I, I, get, I want to brag a little bit about our campaign here because on May uh, 18th, uh, we issued a statement uh, where we said we plan on arresting Governor Abbott and Attorney General Paxton if they ever set foot in District 11. And I want to tell you why. It's because the plan that they're unrolling is racist to its core. It is driven, you know, the reopening of Texas. It is driven by, you know, these right-wing, you know, billionaire nut jobs, you know, the, the, the fossil fuel guys, the Wilkes guys. And it's literally, you know, they're, they're, by not following science, they're sacrificing lives, and they're sacrificing more African-American lives than, than white ones. Here's a fact. I just got this to me. Um, African-Americans are 12.5% of the population, but as you touched on earlier, 22.4% of the COVID-19 deaths. And the reason that's true is that black workers face the most lethal pre-existing conditions for coronavirus, and that is racism and economic inequality. And, you know, all of these things are being ignored. Uh, there's a rush to reopen Texas. Remember right. this, only one, one state in the union qualified for Donald Trump's lame-ass criteria, and Texas wasn't one of them. COVID-19 remains out of control in this state, and it is taking far too many black and brown lives. Now, I'm, run, I'm a white guy, right? But out of 100,000 people in this district, I was the only one who chose to stand up yet again and hold Travis Clardy accountable. You know, I mean, I listened to Travis's broadcast. I mean, literally, you know, Black and brown people just never enter into the discussion. Right. And so I do because, you know, I mean, the people who I want to represent are the, the unheard voices in this district. And I'm, you know, and, and I feel that duty bound, I'm the person who gets to hold Travis Clardy accountable. And I mean to do that for everybody. But I have to say, given the historic injustices in our nation, I do privilege black and brown people first. You know, I don't have to guess what white folks want. They make that pretty clear. And I understand what everybody really wants. You know, we want justice, right? But, you know, I believe that, that there is a way and that there's a role for politicians to help build an anti-racist society, and our campaign is determined to do that. I just wanted to get that out there. So, Very good. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Congresswoman to be, Ms. Bell. Yes, ma'am. I'm just, you know, I don't know. Um, 
I'm in a state of, of just thinking of what's going on in our country today and, and uh, the war against, uh, we can say, against Americans and the conversations that we are having and then conversations that are being had at different levels that don't coincide with our conversations. And when are, when are the, the conversations are going to be had by those in Congress, those that are, are in Senate to in the Senate to to stop what's going on in D.C. right now as we speak, of where uh, persons are tear gassed to make way uh, for a walk, and you know our own people who are 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 seeking to exercise freedom of speech, they are being um, discriminated against because they're not they're not being al- allowed to do so. And just seeing right. things get worse before they get better. And we can't go on as though life as usual because it's no longer as usual. So what are we going to do with that paradigm shift? Mm-hmm. Of, it's so much hatred out there, but it's, it's hatred. You talked about the police officers, and I, I, uh, I mentioned this just the other day. We need to, any one police officer that is that is removed because they have abused or killed someone, they should never be able to become a police officer ever again, anywhere. Ever. And right now they're able to bounce around and go to different places because it's not tracked, it's kept secret, and we just don't know. So, you know, not only adding to uh, making sure that we don't have laws on the books to where they can just kill someone and, and it's nothing against them, but that also they can't just move around and just um, have misconduct following them. We need some protection. You know, we've got military out on the streets against Americans. And, you know, all for for what? You know, you're using the same thing that the people out there protesting against police brutality and against misuse of power. But instead of, of responding, we're going to respond with more violence, you know, and, and fear, fear mongering. Uh, and, you know, the gentleman mentioned earlier, Americans are tired. Every 30 years, they're, they're tired of going through this, this cycle. Right. Okay, so let, let, me, let me jump in. There, we have, even here in Tyler, Texas, we have protests on the streets. And the first night that they were downtown Tyler on Saturday, it was calm protest. But then on mm-hmm. last night, uh, they were standing and blocking the main street, the main thoroughfare up and down uh, Broadway. They were standing in front of the courthouse. And I we said left. to some, well, well, I said this, and I'm Miss Ward. I don't know if you were down there last night or not. Yes, were I you was. there last night? Okay, yep. and I left so what, before that yes. happened. You left before the okay. So when I got the call that they were blocking the streets, where well, I said to some of the African American uh, youngsters, I said, first of all, we want to make sure that you don't get a record. Right. And mm-hmm. So you can protest without standing and blocking the traffic. They were blocking the traffic mm-hmm. going north and south, mm-hmm. all the way across in front of Broadway. Just and then there was some just sitting down in the middle of the street. And I said um, to them, but most your, your of those, parents, not 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 yeah. to cut you off, but most of those no, were right. the Caucasian people that were there. 
I understand that. You're right. You're That's why most of us left. That's why right. we left. We just didn't feel it. We did not feel the vibe. We knew something was wrong. Just like the other gentleman said, we've been watching on Facebook. We watch on Facebook. We've been watching on YouTube. The people, the Caucasian people who were starting the, the looting, the breaking the windows and stuff. And I said it out. I said it out there. I said I have my phone, and if I find out that anybody else is doing something that is not for this cause, I am recording you guys, and you guys will be. You know, I will show you guys on Facebook. So everybody okay. started dismantling. We started leaving around school before seven, no. eight-ish. Mm-hmm. That's it. Some I, of us. Cause when I, right. Because I was heading down, and then they started to – well, they were, they, were in, they were blocking the traffic for about 15 minutes mm-hmm. or so. And uh, and you can see it on Facebook Live. And so that mm-hmm. that's, I wanted you to dialogue a little bit. I didn't realize that you had left, but I wanted you to dialogue a little bit on that uh, because there's nothing wrong with great protests. I, the last three years, I've probably been involved in about five of them, one in Houston, Texas, with uh, a black women's uh, issues uh, in Austin, Texas. I mean, just several. Uh, uh, Ms. Bell can tell you that mm-hmm. they, there's been many hosts. And so we believe in in protesting and trying to work on our cause. And then, we, and then we worked to get what we were trying to accomplish down to Austin to the legislature so that we can enact change. So go ahead and dialogue then. So you, were you able to then find that? Because I could see exactly who it was. And, they, and there was a couple of so African-Americans that were in the street as well. Mm-hmm. There was a couple. I know. Yeah. I, I got the message. I got the message. I was already home because, like I, uh, like I said, I came late because I, I'm still a mom. I still had to cook dinner sure. and everything. They were sure, out there. Sure. I said, I'm going to go show my face because this doesn't die down in a day. Most times, yeah. oh, okay, somebody died. We're going to say something one day, and then it, it gets quiet the next day. No. This, this is something that has to keep on. This is ongoing. We have to let them know that it hurts now. It, it really hurts. So. Yeah. I left. I left because of me and the other ladies that were talking, you know, because we, we were there the on Saturday. I got a message in my inbox. I don't know none of the women. God, like I told you, I'm not, I'm not from here. I don't even know my family here. I'm learning everybody still. And I got a message in, a, in my inbox, and that's how we came together. I met in the north, north Texas, met in north Texas, and came all the way. We walked Gentry, came all the way downtown. And then we yeah, had you know, I was there. I was there, me and my 10-year-old daughter, from 4 o'clock till about 10-something that night because I talked to the press. Uh, I was on, on the news at 10. But yesterday, I came back out there. We talked. It just, the vibe was kind of off. It was like, you know, and I, and I got mad on Facebook. You know, where, where are all my black people at? Especially where are all my black men at? You know, we're doing this. This this is you guys that are really dying out here, you know. You guys have a platform to speak, and no one's speaking. But there was a lot of Caucasian people, a lot of them. Exactly. But I just want to see something bad happen. And that statement, you know, something bad happens. You know, I'm recording you guys. I am recording. And so, like I said, I heard a – go ahead. I'm sorry, young lady, but see, that's what happens – so that's what's happening. Uh, uh, there, you know, there are some people that's not for us that are using that particular technique that you just described to get us in certain places mm-hmm. and then to set us up. 
So I'm just trying to tell you, you know, so that's called a flash gathering or whatever you want to call it. But anyway, you know, you have to, you know, be conscious and understand that we have foreign, foreign, foreign people doing this type of stuff. Then you got mm-hmm. local folks. Uh, I mean, American people that's doing this kind of stuff. So there's a manipulation going on through right. the system. So you know, and then and then and then and then have you say something like, "Where the brothers at? We out here for y'all." Yeah, but there's no leader on that thing. That's just y'all showing up. There's, there's mm-hmm. no, you know, who's the person? We didn't strategize you know, you don't have it. One. We didn't strategize it. We didn't yeah. organize yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. women that you know. Let's do this because nobody's doing this in our community right now. Let's do this. You know, really, you know, what I'm trying to tell you. I understand what you're mm-hmm. saying, but I'm trying to tell you that there are forces. Hear what I'm saying, baby? They did the same thing in 2016. There are forces mm-hmm. through the social media system. Now, I'm giving an example. They had a they they had they they had a bunch of white folks with guns uh, parading out in front of the NAACP office down in Houston. Mm-hmm. It, and, and it was Russian inspired. The Russians set it up from Russia. So I'm trying to tell oh, you wow. that there's manipulative forces that you mm-hmm. don't know about, and that you don't really understand, that have you in places that they want you to be. That's all I'm saying. Using mm-hmm. using the incentives to get you there. I mean, that's all I'm saying to you. You just like you say, you know, I don't know nobody. I'm just here. Okay, yeah, you know, you're a typical. You know, you're good for what they want to do. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying mm-hmm. as long as you did it. You, you did it with a good intention, and they count on that. But I just want you to be aware that there well, are I I organizations I wanted to keep that people. are doing this type of work. Yeah, and then when we left, when we didn't feel the vibe, but, and I, I want to tell you, when we were out there, we did hear some, and I know, someone said, Look, let's start burning stuff. Uh-uh, I didn't come out here for that. I didn't come out here for that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let uh, let me jump you. in. Let me, that's interesting uh, that that you mentioned that. I, I, want, I want to bring Mr. Alex back in. And mm-hmm. I, I want him, yes, I want, uh, well, there's another message now. I, I have messages from my friends, and I'm going to ask this question in just a minute because he's listening uh, locally here. But uh, when when people say things like that, I want to burn, What, it, what Mr. Alex, okay, first, I'm not going to deal with that one right now. Let's go back to the comment that they're making and that even Mr. Arthur made because I know that they're, I can remember Dr. Martin Luther King marching. I can remember my father uh, working right here in Tyler, Texas, with uh, a sheriff by the name he's passed away, Harlem Long. I can remember him working with William Wayne Justice for equality for all mankind, for the whole, not just for some, but for everybody. And and these were Caucasian people. And so and then we can take Mr. Alex, who's Caucasian, and who works, and we know I know him very well. And, and I know where his heart is. So, Mr. Alex, the question I guess that I would ask you is concerning what you just heard, that there are people that, that don't mean good, Caucasian people that don't mean good, that, and I said to some of the black kids, I said, the Caucasian people, they're probably, they have money to be able to get out of jail if, in fact, they mm-hmm. end up in jail. Do you have resources that you will be able to get yourself out of jail for doing things illegally. Go ahead, Mr. Alex. 
Is that the question? You want to know if I can get out of jail? What? Well, no, no, I, you're not going. You're not going to jail. Uh, so, so, but my question. Well, is I don't know. I threatened. I did Mr. threaten to arrest the governor and the attorney general. So who knows? I might go to jail. Let me answer ask, answer this question. Yeah, I've heard okay. of this stuff. You know, I remember. I'm old enough to remember that when white people didn't like what Martin Luther King was doing at big rallies, they spoke a lot about outside agitators too. So, you know, I'm I'm not sold. And I'll tell you what I see. When I see these crowds, I see some tremendous diverse solidarity. You know, understand that the television is going to find the single burning car to focus, you know, their camera on. And they're not going to focus on all the other stuff that's going on. I'll tell you, some of the stuff that's going on is these people are feeding each other during these protests. They're looking after each other. And understand that a lot of people, I mean, one in four workers has just lost their job. We are not in the same country that we were in just a couple of weeks ago. So I think that the changes that are emerging in our nation are very big. And I think that while they're going on, it's going to be hard to see until it comes into focus. And until then, I think it's wise for us to help more and judge less. You know? Uh, just okay. uh, just mm-hmm. saying. Also, I do. I want to return to another topic because I made a note about it when uh, our future congresswoman and others were talking about capital, the fact that African Americans don't have access to capital, and mm-hmm. and I want to talk about that because in fact that's a huge problem. Um, every year, in rough numbers, okay, there's about thirty trillion dollars uh, available for various equity investments. You know, that's investing right. in the business rather than adding a loan. It, it's what we want: equity investment, right? Well, Correct. for a whole bunch of really bad reasons, only two percent of the population gets to make the decision of what happens with that thirty trillion dollars. Okay. You know, and and, and it's, it's rules that don't have to exist. Now, here's the interesting thing. You know, small local businesses are about half of all the businesses that there are. And and despite some of the mythology, a lot of local businesses are actually much more profitable than, like, Wall Street firms, you know? I mean, it, it, and in fact, if you let's say if you invested locally, like, in, in a you know, mixed investment in the various local businesses, right, you probably have a higher rate of return on your investment. But right now, there's no structure that allows you to invest in your communities. You know, mm-hmm. instead, mm-hmm. you got to call a phone, you got to speak to one of these two percent people, and they tell you what you can do with your money. So there's huge structures that we could that we could employ, and when our when our uh, friend makes it to Congress, okay, I'm hoping she'll consider this. But there is, I mean, literally, you know, theoretically, all the small businesses in our communities ought to be able to have access to 15 trillion dollars a year in equity. That's a lot of money to spread around. That's a lot of local economic growth. So I just wanted to say that if I, you know, True. important Very point good. to make, I think. Great point, yeah. great point. Let me let me jump back in. Uh, I have a couple questions. One of my dear, dear friends that live locally here in Tyler, Texas, uh, he's a Republican friend, and um, and we, we, we don't always agree on everything that we discuss, but we're friends. And I think that some of our goals and objectives are the same. So, so he has a question, but first he wants me to tell you, Mr. Alex, that, uh, that Travis uh, Claudie's brother, nephew, and himself, my friend, wishes him, him meaning uh, Travis Claudie, I believe, a glorious victory. But here's a question that he sent to me, and he says, can you ask your candidates, your guests and hosts, what truth do they hold? 
if they answer those <laughs> principles in 35 words for which the Constitution was written, I'll give them $22 cash. And I know you don't want his $22 cash, but if you want to answer those questions, if you want to answer that question, you can. And I'll go, I'll go actually to you first, Alex, and then we'll do a round robin. Uh, and because I, I, I pretty much know how Mr. Arthur and uh, Congresswoman to be Bell may answer, and then our, our special guest, Ms. Natasha, perhaps. But go ahead, uh, Mr. Alex, and tell uh, me. Could, uh, sorry, could you just quickly rephrase the question? Just... Yes, yeah, yeah. the, the question is all about the Constitution, of course. He says, what truths do they hold? He's talking about the Constitution. He says, if they answer with those principles, 35 words, for which the Constitution was written, he'll give you $22. Well, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's obviously not a highly filtered. It, yeah, it's highly, Go ahead. right. It's highly filtered through what this, this guy's interpretation of the Constitution. And, um, okay. Basically, I guess, you know, I mean, I want to play a different game. He's not going to like it, and he can keep his 22 bucks. But here's, here's what I want to acknowledge, okay, is that, you know, I mean, yeah, it's true the Constitution's an exciting document, right? But right. the fact of the matter was it recognized slavery. It failed to recognize yes, women. They were indivisible. And, yes, in sir. fact, it's it got a lot of problems. It's got a lot of problems. The one problem, I mean, it was written by very wealthy people to make sure that pretty much the rest of us, you know, would not be on a level playing field. So there's a lot of problems with it. I mean, consider this. Our Senate, half, 16% of the population elects half the senators. Somebody from Idaho means more than somebody from California. It's nuts. It's totally nuts. Um, so, I mean, you know, I understand there's lots of stuff that's really amazing about the Constitution. But for me, what's even more amazing is that it was written by people like Thomas Paine, who went on right. to write oh, well, a, Al, univer- Al, a universal document called The Rights of Man. So, right. so Alex, there you go. I I mean, jump in? Yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Please jump in. Let me correct something. My go dear ahead. friend, the Republican, is wishing yeah. you victory over Travis Clardy. He's so wishing I'm me happy. victory over, yes. over Travis Clardy. There you go. There well, you go. tell him I thank, I thank him for that. <laughs> and, I mean, the, the, for me, the print, you know, so I would say one of the most important principles of, you know, of the Constitution is one person, one vote. Okay. And, you know, given recent Supreme Court decisions, we really don't have that. You know, when the Supreme Court decides that dollars are votes, you know, I mean, then, you know, Charles Koch has many, many more votes than you and I have. And that's, sure. just, that's just unfair. Right. Um, right. They're okay. you know, enshrined under these wonderful principles of equality. But it took, you know, for instance, like a civil war and a whole bunch more to actually you know, bring it to fruition. For me, what's important, what I like about the Constitution is that it's, it's an open document. It's something that we can recreate, and I think we need to make some big changes. Yeah, um, okay. But, but what right. I'm encouraged by is, you know, is, is these people that we're seeing on the street, and while it's, it's frightening on some level, you know, we are seeing a political power emerging that I haven't seen for a long time. In fact, I may have never sure. seen this. Exactly. What we're seeing is, you know, we're seeing a rebellion here. People, you know, people are seeing so many, you know, riots. But, I mean, dig this. I got an email from a friend of mine in Ireland, in Ireland, right? And she showed me video of a thousand Irish people marching on the U.S. Embassy to yes. protest George Floyd's killing. 
also, it's in, in, in a suburb of Dublin, a suburb of Dublin, on a, on a big a, wall, they painted a yes. picture of George Floyd. Yes. In a suburb yes. of Dublin, George Floyd yes. is sitting yes. there on a giant mural. So this is an international thing. What's happening is Absolutely. really big. It's all over the world. So, yeah, it's a big thing. I'm going to jump in. I'm, I'm going to let Miss uh, Bell talk a little bit about this, but you're absolutely correct about many things that you just said. It's around the world because it has affected the whole entire. You know what I say? I said we have two pandemics, racism and COVID-19. Go ahead, Ms. Bell, and dialogue on. And, and let me say this before you jump in. My friend that I'm talking about right now, when he sees, even though he's a Republican, I'm a Democrat, when he sees that a person is not doing the work that they should be doing, he's ready to change. And he Good. helped me to get elected to city council. So go Good ahead, Bill. Yeah. He has great uh, judgment. He's, he's amazing. He's a wonderful, yes, he's a wonderful gentleman. Go ahead, Ms. Uh, Bell. I, <laughs> I want to add when you said we have two uh, pandemics going on, racism and COVID, and the, the amazing thing is we have them going on at the same time. And it's bringing an undue pressure uh, to people. And um, what, I, what I'm thinking that your friend is asking, I think the, when we talk about the spirit of the Constitution, of, of we hold the truth to be self-evident, that all men are oh, created equal. There you go. That's what he wants we, right there. We, that's actually, for me, that's true. Now, whether or not we were treated as equal, that wasn't yeah. the case. But we are created equal when we look at it as being from the same creator. And exactly. we want we want life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We want to be able to take care of our families. We want to live at peace in our homes. We all want that. And so yeah. when I when I look at the spirit of the Constitution, that's what it was written. And it's a document that's a living document. It's what we have. It's the right. foundation for our country. So we can't just it's being tossed aside. That's why we, we're going through some of the things we're going through. And we always come back and say, well, what does the Constitution say? What, about, what are our rights under the Constitution? There's more than just the Second Amendment. It's, it's all of it. And there you go. we have to look at all of it. And it is pursuit of happiness. And I'm going to stick with the pursuit of happiness because it is something we have to go after. And right now, we're not feeling it. But well, we got to get back to it. Got to get back to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you in just a second, Ms. Natasha, and then Sorry. Mr. Arthur. But you, you, you nailed it. That's exactly what my friend was looking for, what you just said. And then the other side of the coin is that as far as COVID-19 is concerned, I said COVID-19 showed us that we're all equal. It's killing mm-hmm. everybody, black people, right. Caucasian people, red, yellow. It doesn't matter. That just showed us that we're equal in the sight of God. Go ahead, Ms. Uh, Natasha, and then we'll go to Ms. Arthur. Well, I just wanted to, you know, ask how do we change the how do we change the Constitution? Constitution how does that change? I mean, it's it's changed by law. That's when yeah. it, it comes into play. Of who do you have representing you? Uh, if no, you, you can have also have a constitutional rep- convention. You can also yeah, have a constitutional right, exactly convention, right. exactly. which, by the way, be careful because Charles Koch very much wants to have a constitutional convention. He wants mm-hmm. to rewrite the Constitution so there's no democracy left in it. It's what they did to right. Chile. So, yeah. And we definitely right. don't want that. No kidding, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, the, the Chilean junta is long gone, but the people there are still wrestling with this the, the constitution that they left with it. And um, it's a, it was an American economist who works for the Koch brothers who basically came up with this scheme. There's a really great book called Democracy in Chains by Nancy McLean, and it covers it quite a bit. Uh, it's But, yeah, a constitutional convention is something we'd have to be very careful of. It would really only work if we had lots of people in the streets to keep people like Charles Koch in check. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, very good. Let me, in let me our communities. Right. I'm going to bring you in, Ms. Natasha, next, but I want to let you guys know that my friend says, Miss Bell, you're the winner. You nailed it. I knew that's what he was looking for because we have the conversation all of the time. And then Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Alex, he says to let you know that not only does he want you to win, but Travis's brother and Travis's nephew wants you to win that, that seat. Okay, wow. so go ahead. I take that's much powerful. encouragement from that. That is powerful. Yes. Please, th- please thank your friend. So. I, and he's listening, yeah. so he can hear you. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yes, Appreciate sir. hearing from Absolutely. him. Absolutely, Miss Natasha, your comment. I think you asked. The, I think you got your answer. You are asking how you change the constitution, right? Yeah, I can change it, especially for yeah. you know, like I said, for people who don't know too much about it. You know, me myself. You know, me, certain members right. of my family. You know, the community. There's things that we don't know out there. How, how do we get awareness to this? How, how do we get well, awareness? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you how you can get awareness. I'm going to give you one of the ways is that, and this I push all the time, especially for African-Americans, to get more involved politically, study, mm-hmm. read, read, read. I mean, there's every, we don't even have to go to the library like we used to. I mean, we used to have to go to the library, check out the book, take it home, bring it back. You can pick up your Internet. Uh, and pick up your phone that that has internet and any question about any question that you want to know in this nation in this world, Google can give you the answer to it. So that's how we get more involved. Join our various organizations. You're getting mm-hmm. involved right now by when you saw uh, enough was enough for you, and so you right. got involved. And so that's how you learn. Read, read, read. Pick up some of these books. And we can talk about some books later on that you can read. And you can read the, the Federalist Papers and the Constitution and those kinds of things. And then, okay. To volunteer so my for the campaign. Volunteer very, for a political campaign. You'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot. And so, and so my friend also said, Alex, you nailed it with that uh, Constitutional Convention. we got to be careful on that. Mr. Arthur, comment. Yeah. Uh, first, I'd like to say uh, – we need to live up to the Constitution we got. Thank you. We ain't did nothing with that one yet. Well, well. And we go create. Look here. Look here. If we just do this one, you know, one, all men are created equal. Let's do that one. Can we do that okay. one? If we, we just can do, do that, that one. Yeah, we probably well, do a lot of other stuff. After we'd be all right. Well, yeah, well yeah, I so. think this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, Mr. Alex, kind of, he kind of brought it out a little bit early on when he was talking, but he talked about the fact that we had slavery during the time the Constitution was written. And my friend and I have dialogued much on the Constitution, and I said to him, the Constitution was not written for black people at the time that it was written. So we have a lot of conversation in regards to that. And then slavery was involved. So all of these inalienable rights and equality for all mankind that 
everybody was the supposed problem. to have. African Americans didn't have it at the time. Go ahead. Well, the main problem, look at the main problem we have is this. Uh, America, okay, black folks, we've been culturally appropriated by whoever comes to America. And so white folks have our culture. Uh, they love it, but right. they don't want to let us in on it. And, right. okay. and, 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 and again, uh, you know, you know, we're, you know, folks are still making money off of us. Our problem is we don't have access to capital to take advantage of our own. You know, okay, look at this answer here. Okay, we're global right now because, you know, we have a kind of following globally. Now, if white people are smart, they say, you know what, uh, just like my, uh, uh, Michael Jordan Nikes, hey, you know, if we treated them right, that would benefit us. Yeah, why don't we mm. do that? But no, no, they're going, oh, man, I'm losing white privilege. You know what I mean? And, I ain't gonna be able to go and do certain things that I like doing, and I'm just saying, you know, come on now. And so we just get white people to grow up, understand that that white privilege you, you didn't deserve it, you don't need to have it. Just give it up and just do the right thing. Okay. White, so white me, privilege I wanna... actually harms white people. I should mention it really does. White privilege harms people because the racists yeah. use racism to divide us all. We all suffer from it. I'm not trying to say that I suffer as much as a black person. I know that I don't. But I'll tell you what. I've actually been recently talking about, and I plan on talking publicly, about black reparations. Right. Uh, Yes, It's not only a matter of tremendous justice, but, you know, we have an economy. Understand the economy is now, over the course of three months, it took more of a swan dive than it did during the Great Depression in four years. We are in uncharted economic territory really, really bad. It's like, you know, the economics profession, of which I'm a part, hasn't dealt with something like this before. But we're going to need a massive stimulus package, massive, right, to get things going. And I think that black reparations could do both things. We should, you know, it's long overdue, and we should do it to set the economy right. So I'm going to start talking about that, because I think it's the right approach. And, 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 we should have the conversation. And the follow-up on what you're saying is, you know, we've known since the uh, uh, you know Brazilian economic flu, that what you do to stop stop this type of situation is you stuff that hole full of money. That's what you do. You need stuff full of money, or or you can play it out. It's kind of like and be like the real flu. You got to cough and get real sick and might die. And so and so white America is going to have to decide because we're in a service economy. That means people have to spend money. Who spends money? We spend money. Well, if you don't want to give us any money to spend, it's like cut your nose off, spike your face. So, okay. you know, folks need to quit being greedy. Uh, give some of that money back. Thirty-eight people on and having as much money as the lower fifty percent of America. That's just, I mean, it just ain't right. So, you know, come on, guys. You know, uh, if we're gonna do America, we're gonna do it right. Or I tell you, it probably won't be no America. At least not. As well, you they're know not gonna. It. They're not going to give up that money. They're not going to give up that money, but having a lot of people in the streets demanding equality, demanding fairness and economic equity, that can get it done. That's how we're going to get it done. They ain't got to give up a dime. Just give me access to my money. Give me access to my money. And, uh, you know, we'll do that. You know, we got skill. We got the will. We've got intellect. We got the ability. We got all that. 
Well, well, let me, can I jump in in this conversation? I, let me just say this, that African-Americans spend billions of dollars every single year. If we redirect it, <clears throat> invested our funds more, I, I just remember, guys, when Atlanta opened, when the doors started to open up, there was lines of African-Americans in Atlanta, Georgia, lined up to buy tennis shoes that cost over $200 per pair of tennis shoes of Air Jordans, I believe it was. I don't know. And cocaine so rat. If you, go ahead. No, you said cocaine rat. Go ahead. Cocaine oh, okay. rat. Okay. Oh, I got you. Okay. So, no. I'm, put your own, make your own brand. Put your own name. I'm not trying to take anything from Michael Jordan. As a matter of fact, Michael Jordan said that most of my people, I didn't make these for you because most of you youngsters cannot afford these. If you want to buy some, he sure did. Straight out, we'll buy, we'll sell it to you straight out for twenty five dollars a pair. But don't go and pay two hundred dollars when you can pay that in your savings account and pay that in your investment account and pay that in your children's education and pay that in your own education. Mm-hmm. We need to redirect our, we spend too much money. Listen, we spend too much money. We could spend We've it been trained, in small business. We, we, Go ahead. When we integrated, though, look, sure. when we integrated, remember the promise was, when we integrated was, y'all give up y'all businesses, Y'all give up all that, and we're going to let y'all come and join the big economy. That's what the promise was. Just go get educated, and all that will happen. We did all that. Now, here we are. We've been trained into consumership. So we're just consumers. Uh, people come from overseas. We're part of their business plan. Where you Absolutely. go, you go over there first, and then you can move on up from there. Yeah, I mean, we, we watch them. We watch the ARAF do it. We watch Koreans do it. Like that. I mean, we, we watch them all do it. So I'm saying we've been set up and sold off by these different uh, 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 municipalities, governmental entities, and then we're being told on the other side, well, why don't you compete with them? They got their own bank. We don't have access to capital. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you what my parents used to tell us. I say this all the time. My parents told us this when we were growing up. Don't be so concerned with working as an employee Become an employer. Find out what it is you like. Go set up your own business. My parents, my my parent, my grandparents, my father's siblings, none of them ever worked for anyone but themselves. And so focus on that. Focus on being a small business owner. That's who floats this country. Small business. Well, to show you how, we'll show you what geniuses we are. In spite of all that, we still have a have a, uh, a multi-trillion dollar economy within our community. So, mm-hmm. you know, so we good. We, we good at what we do. We see, I'm just saying we need to redirect some of that and, uh, you know, and, and have an avenue where we can make the dollars turn over in our communities like they supposed Because that's how you build your community. It, 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 it's turnover sometimes. And so exactly. until we get those institutions where we can get that money to stay there and turn over, until that happens, okay. you just won't come and leave. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, listen, guys, this has been amazing. We have to continue this. 
uh, we have to continue this on next time uh, because we want to talk a little bit more about the racial profiling. Uh, Miss Natasha, you can come back and join us as frequently yes, as you I like next, next Monday. We'd love to have you back because there are a lot of other things that we want to touch on. I want to give these candidates an opportunity to give us a little stump speech, and, uh, and then it will be time for us to get out of here. Uh, because we end uh, at 10 o'clock. It's been an amazing conversation. It took the life of Mr. George Floyd to bring us to where we are right now. So what are right. we going to do with this at this point in time? Uh, ma'am, if you want to have a final couple of things to say, Ms. Natasha, not too long, maybe 30 seconds or so, and then I'm, we're going to go to the candidates. But we thank you so much for being on with us tonight. Go right ahead. Well, thank you, and, you know, I do plan on speaking out more. Uh, I do want to get involved, and thank you, Mr. Alex. I'm going to get involved. Like I said, this is it's a future for my kids, and I'm doing this for them, too. I'd be happy to help. I'd be happy to yes. help. If, I hope Shirley will give you my phone number sure and give me a call if there's anything I can do. And I really appreciate you stepping up. It's very important. Yes. Thank you. Sorry like, to interrupt, uh, but I wanted to help. Yeah. No, no, very, very important. And, and my friend – Says who's listening also says that you can come to um, you can come to the um, county commissioners. Well, you can't come because it's on Zoom right now. But county commissioners meetings are on Tuesday. I serve on the city council here. We're on the second and fourth Wednesday, and we're on Zoom right now still because of COVID. But we can help you get involved and get where you need to be. Uh, Mr. Alex, if you're running for state rep, we're going to go to you. And then after that, we'll go up to the Congress and let Congresswoman have her final say-so. Go right ahead. Thank you so much for being here, but, Natasha. We're happy to you. have you. Go ahead, Mr. Alex. You can stay I've right here. I've got about a three-minute statement. Is that too long? Uh, you can have two minutes. <laughs> okay. I'll try to motor through it. Um, <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Right. You got it. Um, before the Trump pandemic hit, I was talking a lot about the Green New Deal. Um, and now that Trump pandemic has hit and we're still dealing with it and we're going to need a, a stimulus package to get out of it, Green New Deal makes even more sense. Um, and, and basically, here's the, it, it, it's a big thing. It's a 10-year project. It's got a large price tag. It was developed by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator uh, Markey. Uh, you should definitely check it out. Um, it's something, by the way, that, that a lot of young voters care about a great deal. It would be a unifying thing for the Democratic Party. But um, So I just wanted to mention that before this happened, I was heavily promoting the Green New Deal. I declared for all to hear that the Green New Deal would be the best thing that's ever happened to Texas. The Green New Deal, I said, is the best destiny Texas could hope for. When we embrace our best destiny, we will transform Texas from being the number one emitter of carbon pollution to becoming the number one provider of renewable energy solutions, I said. I insisted that when Texas embraces the Green New Deal, that Texas will become the best thing that's ever happened to our country. Would I make these claims today? My answer is yes. Everything is still true. And, and beyond, you know, the, the Trump pandemic and, you know, the economy that, that he helped crater, you understand it's a lot worse than it had to be. Okay. Um, we have global warming that's actually still going on, and it's a much bigger problem, and it's an accelerating problem. And, in fact, it will make the problems that we're currently looking at seem like a cakewalk by comparison. Uh, so the Green New Deal not only addresses our need for a stimulus, but one of the things that I really like, it's a plan to put money where it's needed, more often in local hands, and always with a mind to reversing past patterns of oppression and neglect. That's central to how it's operating. 
So we, we're going to need it. It's, uh, I think that it's, uh, it's almost a form of reparations, not exactly what I'd like. But so I am as excited about the Green New Deal as I was then. I'm ready to put on my battle armor and fight like hell for these and other things that will allow us to all mobilize for a just, prosperous, and sustainable future. I know that I'm far from being alone in my determination. Together, I'm convinced we'll turn Texas blue with the Green New Deal. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. That was very good. I hope you got everything in. Did you? <laughs> not not everything. Well, but, go, but you, got, no, go you, you got the you cream. Got you got the cream. Okay. You got the cream. I got the cream. So. It, 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 go ahead with your final comments, then, Mr. Alex. You can have another because we're doing good. You did good. No, no, no. Time. That's it. That, that, Is that that's good? it. Okay. I, Listen, thank you I'm so good. much for being on. We wish you well. Uh, you deserve this position. And uh, we're going to work to make sure. We got the microphone three times a week. We're going to make sure that the people find out and know about. This is Alex Johnson in East Texas. Tell us one more time the seat that you're running for, and you can quickly tell us which counties that you cover as yeah. well. Right. Uh, I'm running for uh, Texas House District 11. That's uh, Cherokee, Rusk, Nacogdoches counties uh, that li- literally haven't been well represented for decades now. Um, my website is uh, Alec, A-L-E-C. I spell my name like Alec Guinness, A-L-E-C, the number four, Y'all, so A-L-E-C for y'all.com. Please visit it. A lot of videos. My positions are clearly stated. You'll have no idea, no doubt where I stand. Um, and I, I'd welcome your interactions, you know. And if there are any millionaires listening, please write me a very big <laughs> check. So. Very good. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for Thank that. You, I appreciate buddy. it. All right, my dear friend, my sister, <laughs> Ms. Adrian Bell. And uh, – well, we're ready to hear from her. She is an amazing. Tell us what your your background is a little bit, and just a little bit of something about yourself. Uh, to repeat, you well, may have already done that yourself. Go ahead. Well, I'm uh, Adrian Bell, and I am the Democratic nominee for uh, U.S. Congress in Texas District 14. I am currently a, a public school teacher. I teach a fourth grade and. My background has been in management, and I retired as an engineer uh, in telecommunications. And so I am now running for Congress because we see such a polarizing country, and it's so um, a a national atmosphere of of hate and of fear and of not of being unity. And one of the purposes of Congress is to enact laws and also serve as the voice of the people. And we recognize that our voices as regular folks is just not being heard. And I want to do something about that and really bring policies that bring change and uplift uh, the lives of people. My whole goal is to serve. I'm not running for office to have a title or to have a name, but to actually serve the people. And when we look at our recent events of the uh, killing of George Floyd, it just brought to notice a system that has not been designed for African Americans. And we've got a, a systemic breakdown of systems that stop African Americans from breathing every day. And we've got to start removing them uh, brick by brick, ending the school to prison pipeline, removing barriers from good jobs, and being able to live in neighborhoods that have clean air and clean water, health care. Uh, banning for-profit prisons that profits off of the back of of black and brown people. And there's so many different ways that we can address 
uh, problems and, and bring in solutions, such as making sure that we do have access to capital, that uh, people have the opportunity to live lives and live lives in peace and live lives in harmony. And that's not just a, a utopia. That's an actual uh, thing that we can do, whether it's giving green parks, having good places to in your neighborhood to buy fresh food. Uh, there's just so many things that we can do that we are not doing. And so my goal is to bring programs, services, to build small businesses, to revitalize uh, cities, smaller cities in our county, which is Southern Missouri County, Jefferson County, and also Galveston County. So District 14 serves the Gulf Coast area of Texas. It contains five ports. And it's the only it's the only district with five ports, so it has more ports than any other district in America. And so I'm working to change that. I believe in the people. I believe people need a change. People need to know that their voices are being heard and that their voices are cared about. Um, my website is voteforbail.com. Uh, we are actively recruiting volunteers. We are actively recruiting uh, monies to help us continue to get our our message out to our voters, uh, whether you give a dollar or whether you give the maximum uh, $2,800, all money count because we want to eliminate a special interest money and being ruled by money instead of being led uh, and leading the people. So my name is Adrian Bell. I am the uh, Democratic nominee for U.S. Congress in Texas District 14. Very good. That's outstanding. Let me share now with the, the email. The email for hey, that. Go ahead with the email. Okay, go ahead again. Your email? The email? My email, you yes. can send an email to info at voteforbell.com, and that's V-O-T-E-F-O-R-B-E-L-L.com. Please follow me on social media. Uh, on Twitter, it's at A-D-R-B-E-L-L, or on Facebook, it's A-D-R-B-E-L-L-T-X. It helps to just get the message out when we just, we're all, we're all talking the same language, and we just need representatives who speak our language, language right. of helping regular folks. Okay. All right. Anything from you, Mr. Arthur, before we get ready to leave out of here? We've got about three minutes left. I was going to say that I've enjoyed the uh, conversation tonight, and, uh, and I just want to encourage all these candidates to embrace this new moment and see what you can do to bring about the change that, 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 you know, that all men create equal and uh, mm-hmm. and continue to fight for that every day. Very good. And, Mr. Alex, I want you to know that my friend just sent a message to me, and he wanted you to know, I already know this, he wanted you to know that he worked with the father of global warming before the term was, was coined. It was later oh, coined. Cool. But, yeah, he's an amazing, uh, my friend is an amazing, he's brilliant, and I've learned so much from him. Listen, let me say to you guys that my question, my question is, what now, America? Uh, We see what's going on across the nation. Even my next question is, what now, Texas? Because we see that we have so many people in Texas that don't have health insurance, Uh, Mm -hmm. that we see them getting their health insurance in the emergency rooms. It should not be. So what now, Texas? What now, America? Uh, I want to see, that's what I want to see. I want to see health care for all. And then I want 
people to see that what we're seeing on television and what we've seen from Rodney King all the way down to Sandra Bland, Michael, uh, uh, Trayvon Martin, uh, all of the names that, you know, something at some point in time, it's so many names, guys, I can't even remember all of them. I have to go back right. and pull my book out. And, and then we saw on yesterday uh, the, the murder of the gentleman over in Mississippi that the police officer was vindicated because he said it was, what can I say, self-defense. Oh, so, wow. There we I, I know. But at any rate, I want to see the change. I want this, this constitution that my friend talks about, I want to see that actually implemented. And I know with the right people in office, such as Mr. Alex Johnson and Ms. Adrian Bell, that we can see the change because the change has come. And we have to embrace it and move on forward with it. I thank you guys so much for being here, Ms. Rihanna, if you're back on the line now. And she's going to end us for the night. And we'll go from there. She's very, Miss Rihanna, very, a very passionate individual. As a matter of fact, I tell people all the time, you cannot convince me that Miss Rihanna is not my daughter. She is my daughter from another mother. She's Caucasian. But I love her just like a real daughter. Thank you, Miss Rihanna. Any final comments from you? I turn it over to you. Thank you guys for being here. May God bless you. And we look forward to seeing you come back. And Miss Natasha, thank you so much for being here. Miss Rihanna, thank I'll turn so it over to you for the final comments. Stay right with us. Miss Rihanna has something to say to us. Yes, we just thank everyone for being on this line, and we thank everyone for the hard work that they're doing, the care that they that they give to their communities, uh, the future that they that they see and want to work toward for all of us and for all of our children. We're united in those goals, and for all you young people out there listening, and we do have some young people who listen. None of this uh, has to be our normal. We, Mr. Arthur says all the time, we are having a paradigm shift and we get to decide how we go forward. It's completely up to us. And we have to, have to be strong. We have to be vigilant. We have to do our part every single time we can. Um, and we just have to, we have to make our future what we want it to be. None of these people who are acting crazy get to dictate how our future goes. So let's That's stick right. together. Let's love one another. Let's care for one another. And let's work hard together towards that future. Good night, everybody. Ms. Rihanna, can, can I jump in yes. before you end this, Ms. Rihanna? Of course. I want to, I want to re-announce. I don't know if it got announced by you early on, but, um, but the uh, candlelight uh, prayer night uh, tomorrow to defeat the activities of racism in our nation will be at, that's Tuesday, June the 2nd, from 5.30 to 6.30 at Liberty Baptist Church parking lot. Uh, that pastor is Pastor Marcus Hood. That's at 2506 North Broadway uh, Avenue. I'm hosting that uh, in memory of Mr. George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, all of, the, all of the people that we have lost at the hands of our police officers. And let me just mention this also, that, that we have to reflect back to why we have police officers. They are peace officers, not war officers, peace officers. You'll hear them say, I have my peace officer certification. That's what they were. 
My uncle was one of the first African Americans out of five to be a police officer here in Tyler, Texas, and they never used a weapon. As a matter of fact, they were not even allowed to carry one for years. So there are peace officers. Let's work toward peace. Thank you. May God bless you, Miss Rihanna. And now you can play our theme song, and we'll end the evening. And thank you guys once again for being here. We really appreciate what we heard tonight. Miss Rihanna, go ahead. One day when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be out. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be sure. We will be sure. Oh, glory. the heavens, no man, no weapon, formed against, yes, glory is destined, everyday women and men become legends, sins that go against our skin become blessings, the movement is a rhythm to us, freedom is like religion to us, justice is juxtaposition in us, justice for all just ain't specific enough, one son died, the spirit is revisiting us, true and living, living in us, resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up. When it goes down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots, we on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no. Glory, glory, oh. woman and child, even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd, they march with the torch, we gon' run with it now, never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles, from dark roads, heroes, to become a hero, facing the league of justice, his power was the people, enemy is lethal, a king became regal, saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego, the biggest weapon. It's to stay peaceful, we sing Our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win the war individually It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day when the glory comes It will be 